Hi everyone, welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I hope you all had an amazing Labor Day. I know that the weather was absolutely beautiful here where I live and many people enjoyed grilling and sitting in the sunshine, so I hope you guys had a wonderful time. I know I am also enjoying the cooler mornings without all of the humidity. It has been so refreshing to step outside and just feel that cool breeze versus the humidity that has been our constant companion for the last few months. I am excited about today's episode because I have a special guest, Robin Cook, who is going to talk about health. Now, you may ask, why would I choose to devote an entire episode to health? But I want to say that this is an important topic. You know, if you don't have your health, you are not able to do much. When I get sick, I am absolutely no good to anyone. Our body is a gift from the Lord. We are only given one, and I believe we need to be good stewards of it, which means being careful of what we eat. I remember when I was about eight or nine years old, my mom found out that there was a lump on her thyroid and the doctors wanted to remove it, but my mom was not ready. She wanted to check out with some other people, get some other options before making this big decision. Well, in the middle of all that, because we were military, my family was stationed in Germany. So we had this big move and we met a sweet couple, which had also gone through something similar. They had struggled with um, some cancer and they had chosen to go a more holistic, natural way of living. Well, my parents, after talking with them, decided they wanted to do the same thing. So we completely cold turkey switched our diet. Now, I don't recommend the cold turkey. That that was quite a big thing. But we did make this the jump and my mom's lump uh, actually went away and we all felt better. So since that day, we tend to buy more organic and natural food and kind of look at a lot of labels before purchasing any items. Now, I met Robin through Instagram and I immediately noticed that she tended to be more natural in her diet as well. I could tell by her recipes she shared and just her whole mission statement on her Instagram feed. She is such a sweet person. I am so blessed to know her and she has always been an encouragement to me. And I want to share a little bit more about her before we go into the actual interview. Robin was inspired by her mom's health crisis and restoration and sought to help other families avert the woes of modern nutrient depleted diets. She attended the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and became a holistic health coach. Following that, she interned with a local naturopathic doctor studying herbology and aromatherapy and became an herbalist. Seeing the need for families to have the nutrient tools they need to flourish, she and her mom co-authored Cook to Flourish Cookbook in 2015. Robin's passion is inspiring people of all ages to enjoy the beautiful colors, flavors, and endless possibilities of whole foods. She offers group classes, cooking demonstrations, consultations, YouTube videos, wellness supplements, and more. Her mission is to inspire equip and encourage families to live the abundant life God created them to live. And with that introduction, here's my interview with Robin. Hi, Robin. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. I'm so glad you could come. Oh, thank you, Sarah. It is an honor to share with you and all of your awesome listeners. Yes. So um, today we're going to talk about health because health is really an important issue. It's obviously talked about everywhere you go. You see it in every magazine, lose weight or use chocolate to help cure your cravings or your headaches. I mean, you just, you see it all the time, everywhere you go. So um, I kind of, am just curious to start off with your background, you know, kind of um, where you're from and kind of how you started on this journey. 
Oh, beautiful. Glad to share. So absolutely. I am here in Kansas City, Missouri, a suburb of that area. And I've been here, born and raised. I love the Midwest. I love visiting the farmer's markets, especially right now in the summertime and just gleaning from all the amazing produce. But health for me, I, I always wanted to be healthy, you know, growing up as a child. Like I wanted to eat fruit or vegetables. I have several stories about, you know, little cooking experiments that I did, but it really didn't take deep root until I was 13 years old. And like you were saying, you know, a lot of times people have that defining moment, something that really rocks their world or some, a health crisis that happens and that brings them into natural health, God's way of health. And that's what happened to me and my family. So I'm 13 years old, it's the summertime, and all of a sudden my mom gets deathly ill. And we took her to the ER, we took her to different doctors, several of them, and they didn't know what it was. And so we were just at our wit's end. My mom was bedridden, she had like no energy. And we were like, Lord, what is it? We just kept praying, you know, because we didn't have an answer yet. And just kept going for a few weeks. And finally, we got an answer from a more natural perspective. And it was like adrenal exhaustion or adrenal fatigue. Some people may have experienced that. They're listening here today. And that's what it was. And it just about took her life because she had exhausted herself so much. She and my dad had started a business. They had taken in my dad's father and grandmother. They lived with us. My brother and I were, you know, somewhat young. And my mom, she was taking care of everyone else, but not herself. You know, not intentionally. That's just kind of what happened. And she wasn't eating well. So once they figured out what it was that she was dealing with, there wasn't anything, you know, overnight that she could do to make her all better. She needed to rest and she needed to eat well. And we we're like, okay, that's great. But what does that mean to eat healthier, to eat well? You know, we thought we were. We thought, you know, a white bread turkey sandwich that was lean and fat free. We thought that was healthy, right? And so here we are, my mom's bedridden pretty much. And I'm 13 at summertime. It's like, okay what do we do? And so I started going to the, to, to the library and I read and I researched, okay, what is a whole grain? Broccoli? I should eat broccoli? You know, why? What was it good for? And so little by little, we started to change out what we ate. And over several months time, I literally saw my mom go from death to life. And it was just such a beautiful transformation. And, you know, looking back, it, it happened very slowly, but Still, we saw that transformation, and also during that time, God just gave me supernatural grace to really become like the mom of the home and to start cooking and taking care of my brother and my dad and, you know, my grandparents that were living with us, and it was totally God. But our family, we adapted. We kicked out the white sugar and the white flour, and now it just became a lifestyle, and so God really gave me a passion for health through my mom's health crisis. Wow, I love that. And you know, the adrenal fatigue is a real thing, even even more so I think today with um, yes. you know, the stress of jobs and the go, 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 because we're more of a microwave society in eating yes. and in the way we live. You know, we want things now, it needs to be instant. Even a lot of us take our work home and when we get that email right. on our phone at you know, six, mm -hmm. seven o'clock at night, we're gonna respond to that, even though we really should just leave it there. And I think that can contribute to adrenal fatigue. And I know even um, yes. colleges, the stress of college. And a lot of times these kids are going directly from graduation into a stressful job or, um, you know, fast paced job and they don't even get a chance to rest. And I think just kind of a side note, that's why self-care is so important. 
You, it's yes. not a selfish thing to take care mm-hmm. of yourself. You have got to, to pause and say, you know what? What do I need? It's not wrong to ask. Do I need to take, do I need to take a little nap? Should I say no? I remember listening to Lisa Turkhurst. Uh, I love a lot of her work. And she made a powerful statement. She said, there is power in the small no. And I love that um, because I really started thinking about that. We like to say yes. We desire to say yes. We want to be used and help people. But sometimes it's okay to say no. And it doesn't have to be. I think that's why she said it's a small no. There's just maybe, no, we won't be attending that function or no, I I can't help at this activity today. It's not a permanent no, but it's just a small no to say, you know what, I have to take care of myself. Because if we don't take care of our own bodies, we can no longer serve others. So I think that there's that connection between the two. And, you know, your mom was doing good things, but it was best for her to let go of just a couple things for a season to recover herself, you know, but I think that we, some people do, they, they know about self-care, but we forget about the healthy eating. And I think they really do go hand in hand. They are two halves of a whole because you need to take care your body needs that fuel to keep going. And if you put all that bad stuff and they talk about going to the gas station and putting in, if you go to those um, gas stations that aren't so good, you're going to have problems with your car. And we don't think about that with what we put inside of us and how we can keep going. As much as McDonald's and Chick-fil-A are delicious, they're not going to be life-sustaining on a regular basis. They're good in moderation, you know, because everybody likes a little chicken every now and then. Exactly. Oh, and Sarah, I love what you said about how food is fuel, because that's exactly what it is. And, you know, one time I was teaching a class at our church, and I was just telling the women there, I'm like, you know what, if we thought of food as fuel for our kingdom productivity, that's a game changer. You know, if we think about, wow, what is this food going to do inside of my body? Is it going to nourish my God-given purpose and potential? Or is it going to detract from that? You know, if we started thinking about food that way, that would really revolutionize how we eat and how we live. Yes. Yeah. And I think I was just kind of processing how important the mom's role is in that, you know, because she guides the house. Now, I know, of course, there are a lot of homes that have a single parent. So it's falling into a different realm now, but um, it is important as the parent that you guide your children in making healthy choices because they're going to gravitate to the bad. They're going to gravitate towards the sweets or the things that aren't healthy. Um, And as your parent, you're trying to guide them, not to control them, but you're guiding them. You're teaching them in the way so that when they're old, they'll make better choices. Because I've had a lot of friends. I actually... I had a very um, fun friend. She, it was so interesting. I never would have thought she tried it, but she was used to the hallelujah diet. We had uh, talked wow. about it. And of course, that's for those who don't know, that's like barley greens, completely vegetarian. You know, you're doing carrot juice. And she was pregnant with her last child, ended up being her last one. And she said, I wonder what would happen if I did a very natural diet and a lot of vegetables and things like that. And then uh, when, when the little um, guy was born, this blew my mind, but she started feeding him barley green from a very early age, actually in the bottle. So, and again, I don't know if it was good or not, but I know that it was interesting per, and that little boy grew up. He did not like meat. 
it was so fascinating. <laughs> he wow. really loved vegetables. That was what he gravitated and the fruit. So you can change yes. your children's taste buds. You do have that power to say, well, what if they don't like it? Well, you can, can, you can change that. I did not like vegetables, but my mom instilled in me. She's like, but it's good for you, Sarah. You don't That's need right. the Kool-Aid or the excessive That's juice, right. you know, even though they taste good now, she says it will give you problems. And I think as a homemaker or a parent, it is your responsibility to take care of your children and give them the best foundation um, that I think is possible. And, and I know you probably agree with me on that wholeheartedly. And, you know, if we can get the kids in the kitchen, getting them acquainted with food, maybe even taking them to a farmer's market and say, hey, Jane, you know, pick out a little vegetable that you haven't tried before, and then helping them to cultivate creativity, you know, letting them add a little bit of urban spice, you know, to your chicken or, you know, getting them in the kitchen, the creativity. I really think that's a huge key in helping kids to want to make a shift, to want to eat healthy. And actually a couple summers ago, I got to teach a kid's cooking class at a school and we all, we did it healthy. No gluten, no sugar, no dairy, except for some, some grass fed butter, but it was so much fun and the kids enjoyed it. So it can be done for sure. Oh, I love that. I think it's really um, important, you know, because kids really do need to be involved. They like to be involved. And I think that that makes it almost more real for them that they're yes. like, oh, I love this. I can, I can cook too. And then they, most kids enjoy trying what they made. I mean, that's right. a given. You know, they're going to want to try that. And I think that's great. And I think, um, what are your views on like gardening? Like, do you think kids would really enjoy that opportunity? Absolutely. Oh, and not only does it teach them valuable principles about, you know, you reap what you sow, you know, but definitely biblical things, but also it's just so cool to see things grow and how you need to nurture plants and then seeing where our food comes from too. It absolutely, or at least taking them, like I said, to a farmer's market so that they see, wow, this is the farmer who grew the food and, you know, getting to make those connections, but gardening, absolutely. Okay. I love that. Now um, I'm curious um, for you kind of what are your on your list? What is like the ones that you like to emphasize, but the foods that you really avoid completely or ones that you do in moderation? For sure. Great question. Absolutely. And, you know, everybody is different. Every person metabolizes foods differently. And so what might work for me really well may not work the best for you and vice versa. And that's okay. So for me, what I generally eat is more of a whole foods diet. I do have some clean animal protein, mostly, you know, organic chicken and also wild fish. Those are my two favorites. And of course, like pastured non-GMO eggs. I love those. I personally don't do a lot of red meat. If I do, it's like grass-fed beef, but I love vegetables. That is where it is for me. I love, you know, all the different colors. I love using sweet potatoes as a major source of my carbohydrate source. I love the winter squashes. I love the vibrant and lower glycemic or lower sugar content fruits, like your wild blueberries or Granny Smith apples. I love salads and kale, leafy greens, herbs and spices. Um, I love making foods with those ingredients. Yeah. Now, um, what would you say are your goats that you say, we just kind of cut them from our diet completely. We really feel that they have no value for us at all. Absolutely. And so there's an acronym I'd love to share, and it's called HARSH. 
H-A-R-S-H. And personally, I remember things really well by acronyms. And so these are the things that I have chosen really to remove from my way of eating and my healthy lifestyle. So the first H is going to be hydrogenated oils or highly processed fats. So we don't want those things or things that are fried or oils that are refined, like even canola oil that's most often not our GMO, genetically modified. You don't want that coming into your body. We want good fats and good oils, not the bad ones. Then the A is for additives. So I try to think, get things that have the fewest ingredients in there possible and especially having ingredients that I know what they are, that I can pronounce them, right? You know, we don't want those chemicals or the additives in our food. The R is refined flour or refined grains. And you can even take it one step further and take out all gluten too. I personally do not do well with gluten. So I try to steer more towards the wholesome, gluten-free whole grains. Because just because something says gluten-free doesn't always make, mean that it's healthy. It can still be just as refined as a you know, wheat white bread, you know, it's not whole. So like a brown rice would be better or a quinoa, that would be a safer gluten-free whole grain. Or you can do, you know, totally grain-free with spaghetti squash, sweet potatoes, cassava, things like that. And then our S is for sugar. So definitely I'm not a fan of white sugar. I choose to do like stevia or raw honey every now and then, uh, things like that. And then the last H is going to be high fructose corn syrup or even just corn syrup in general. So those are the harsh ingredients that I personally do not want in my way of eating just because it's not nourishing to my body. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a couple of questions kind of out of that because uh, like I said, I do mostly organic myself and mom made that switch when I was eight. She just said, you know, we really need to eat very healthy. She got rid of the Kool-Aid, all of that. She says, I really want to be very more health conscious. So the non-GMO, I know that is a big debate with a lot of the natural um, health food stores. So I think from what I, what I see and I know what I buy, there's usually a label on the product itself, it usually has a butterfly and it'll say non-GMO. Is it like verified? I think is what it says. And that you can kind of yes. buy and know that's a little bit safer for you. Is that, is that what you've seen? Yes, absolutely. So if, say for eggs example, so sometimes chickens are fed corn. Well, corn can be a crop that is genetically modified. So we want to make sure that our eggs are coming from chickens that were at least eating non-GMO corn or organic corn. So if they're not specifically organic eggs, we wanna make sure that they are at least non-GMO eggs. And so yes, you'll look for that little rectangular label that says non-GMO project. So that makes us feel more comfortable saying, okay, well at least if the chicken had corn, it's coming from you know non-GMO corn that they ate. So, yes, yeah, because I mean, that's a big thing. I know I've talked to farmers markets, you know, we talk to them one on one, and that's a big deal for them. And there are some who go the extreme length, like they make sure everything's verified, their, their product is very certified. And we've always enjoyed eating from it. And we do notice um, the product is better. It usually yes. is a better taste, uh, flavor, and a lot of times, like what we do, like grass fed beef, um, you, you keep most of your meat. Uh, it does not shrink away when you tend to eat, you know, it's a richer, darker color. It's a great flavor. There is, there is a difference. People say, well, they're really, yeah, there really is a difference between the two. For Absolutely. Sure. And just, um, I know that gluten is a big problem now 
um, it is a, there's a lot of Americans that struggle with this and it's hard yes. because gluten is in much more than you would even think um, it's right. in. Um, so for you kind of just maybe talk a little bit, what are your best gluten-free tips? Like how would you encourage them if they do struggle with it? Maybe how could they help themselves? Absolutely. So there's several different ways that you can go about it. And everyone is kind of in a different stage of their healthy journey, you know. So what I like to have people do, though, is make a list of the typical things that you would eat that would have gluten. So say it's pasta. It's like, okay, so what is a healthier pasta that we can get? So some of my favorites would be like the, the best would be like spaghetti squash because it's a vegetable source. But if you're not quite ready for that, that's okay. You could do like a lentil pasta or a garbanzo bean pasta, black bean pasta, something like that. If that isn't quite your thing yet, you could do like a brown rice pasta, something like that, okay? So those would be kind of my three choices. For bread, I'll be honest, it's trickier. It really is because again, you have to look at your label really closely and see is the first ingredient starch, like a potato starch, or is it like a quinoa flour. You know, we want the ingredients to be as whole as possible, but when you're looking for a gluten-free grain bread, you want to make sure that there's as much fiber as possible and the ingredients are as whole as possible. So whole grains, or if you could get one with like cassava flour or something, if you're going more non-grain gluten-free, that would be really good too. And I want to say it's Canyon Bakehouse that has like a seven grain bread that's gluten-free that is pretty good. Uh, Rudy's has some good tortillas that are pretty good as well, have a good amount of fiber. Uh, you could make like a cauliflower pizza crust or a cauliflower flat, flat, flatbread, that would be good too. Um, I'm trying to think of what other things are common. Let's see, pasta is always big, bread is big. Ooh, let's see, Sarah, what other things? I was trying to talk? think, I know those are the two biggest ones, and then there's um. I'm kind of, I know like breadcrumbs, there's certain things like, you know, if you have fried right. chicken, all of a sudden you have to kind of rethink some of that. Right. I'm trying to think, because my mom's gluten intolerant and that was a okay. big change for her. And sometimes yes. like you can't have tortilla chips anymore. That's a, yes. you have to all of a sudden switch to something else. True. Yeah. So like the Siete uh, brand, they have cassava based chips. So that way you can kind of reduce that corn, even though corn is usually considered gluten free. But absolutely just looking at ways how you can swap things out. You know, it's not that you can never have pasta again or never have bread again, but it's like, okay, what is a healthier alternative? That's one thing I love to help people see is, you know, it's, it's alteration, not deprivation. And that's in our cookbook, you know, just helping people to see, okay, you know, it's just altering things, you know, just to make it more positive and encouraging that you can still enjoy good food. Yes, yes, because I think that's so important because when you get in your mindset, it's denial, you struggle. Yes. You, you know, it yes. almost causes like this depression. Well, what can I eat now? But it's not like, what can I, like, what, what should you, maybe what can we switch it out for? Not what can we not, but what can we switch it for? Because, and I think too, because gluten is becoming such a problem, there are so many companies coming out more and more. And of course the paleo and the keto diet have also really helped. They've kickstarted some more new trends. So I'm, I'll have to probably post it in my um, show links, but there is a new type of gluten-free pasta out there. And it was delicious. Like Jovila, it was something like that. Wow. And there, because I'll be honest, sometimes the gluten-free pasta is gritty 
or it's more crumbly or it's just very uh, full of carbs because of the beans or things like that. They do tend to be more carb heavy. And this one was very light and it really tasted like pasta, but it was completely gluten-free, non-GMO, very good company. My mom's done great on it. She's really enjoyed it because pasta is a, a comfort food. You enjoy it. You like lasagna, spaghetti, I mean, tortellini. There's a lot of, you know, the, the pasta salads. That's always a favorite in summertime. So I think you can really, um, there are so many better options out there now and people are really caring about it. So um, kind of off the little beaten path, but what kind of stores do you recommend that you would have the best chance of finding some good options, some really trustworthy brands? Absolutely. Great question. So every region will probably have a little bit different of a variety of stores, but in general, like Sprouts, they have a wonderful selection of foods. Natural Grocers has a pretty good selection as well. Um, Whole Foods, they also do too. And of course, Costco is getting to have more and more. Sam's, I'm not as familiar with how much organic things they may have. And then of course, there's your more like local non-chain Type stores too and of course we love to support local whenever we can so they may even have some more specialty items I know we used to have a store here in Kansas City that oh man you could really find some gems some, some hidden gems and so you could do that or even online stores like by the cost I believe they have some good options too so absolutely the options like you said they are just multiplying that is true. And I know, I know Walmart is becoming more organic too. They have a lot of options, but that is true. Now Costco's, I will put a plug in. We had memberships for a while from Costco's and Sam's because we had things we liked from both. We have now officially switched to Costco's. Um, Sam's just wasn't worth it for us. I think they're trying to gain some ground, but at this point, Costco's is almost half organic. Um, they really offer, you know, they have organic bone broth. Um, you know, you have a lot of gluten-free options. There are mixed berries, you know, lots of um, frozen vegetables, all organic, non-GMO. Right. So we really do enjoy Costco's. I, that's a free plug-in, you know. <laughs> I just love, I love it. We go there um, probably once, once a week or every two weeks. Just really great options. You know what? You're so right. And also Aldi's. I wasn't even thinking. Yes, Aldi's, they are getting more organic options too. And they have great prices for the most part. You know, you know, you can find some organic chicken there now and produce. So that can be a great option too. That is true. That is true. Yeah, there, a lot, that's why thankfully a lot of shift is happening. A lot of people are thinking more about food and things like that. So kind of um, taking a little side trip, people do like to go out to eat. They do. And, you know, it is a treat. But if you're thinking, trying to think organic, what are some places that you know of that you might recommend or options that you would choose if you did choose to go out to eat? That is an amazing question. And again, kind of depending on where people live, there may be more organic options. So like, unfortunately here in Kansas City, there aren't a whole lot of organic restaurants. Although uh, recently I just got to try one called Enjoy and that's on the Kansas side. I'm on the Missouri side and they did have some organic options there. So you might have to kind of do some digging. Uh, the mix here in Kansas City is really nice or the cafeteria. So there can be some specialty places but if that is not available in your area, then what I would go for next are more whole foods. So at least what can we have that is like a meat and a vegetable, you know, go lighter on the carbs, you know, the breads. I try to avoid that when I go to a restaurant. So say I go to a steak place. 
So I would try to do like a piece of salmon or like a chicken breast and a salad and a sweet potato without the butter because a lot of times it's not real butter. And you could ask for a little cup of cinnamon though, no sugar, just the cinnamon, and put that onto your sweet potato and do something like that. Or if you go to like a chipotle, you know, you can do like the salad base. And I know they try to get cleaner ingredients that may not be specifically organic, but at least they're not as filled with the different chemicals, I don't believe. And uh, you can do, you know, black beans and your fajitas and the guacamole, that's a must, you know. <laughs> so there are good options out there. Yeah, um, so I know for myself, we, um, we love Panera Bread. I mean, of course, if you're, you know, gluten intolerant, you can still, there's still a lot of options there because they do some good soups and they do, um, their sprouted grain roll is gluten-free. I do know that. And that's one of their side options. So you can get that. My mom gets it and she enjoys it every time. Um, and they have some beautiful salads. They're Greek salad. They have strawberries, you know, in season. And you know, so they really do some wonderful salads. So that's a really great option. And I do know Panera Bread probably five or six years ago got rid of a lot of the um, fake artificial preservatives ingredients. They really cleaned up their menu. They really worked hard at that. And then we, um, we watched, I think, some kind of um, undercover boss one time. We watched a random episode and they did it on Moe's Southwest Grill. And I thought, oh, what an interesting thing, you know, because I always enjoy watching those. But I found out that they are actually pretty healthy. They try to wow. choose some better ingredients, not everything, but their, um, their steak is actually grass fed. I was Amazing. blown away. So that's really, if you do choose, I know that their guacamole is made fresh daily. They never preserve, they never roll it over for the next day. And Panera Bread actually does that too. Everything in their store is made fresh that day. If they run out, they run out. They never um, serve it again. So those are kind of two options that we know of that we've, we've enjoyed going to and always feel a little safer when we eat. Because there's certain restaurants you go to and you literally come back not feeling well based on You're some right. stuff that's been in there. Um, so it's really, really important that you, you be careful what you eat. And, but I know if you, it's great to have some options because everybody likes a, a break from the kitchen. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, what I tell people kind of like what you were saying is, you know, do the best you can find something that's clean and, you know, if at all possible, like avoid the fried things, avoid the sugar and avoid the bread. Like if you can do that, <laughs> then, you know, you, you should be just fine. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of restaurants now that are doing the offering grilled, um, and they do baked and they do a lot more vegetables and things like that. Although my mom always says, don't get anything with corn in it. Cause that is pretty heavy with the non G with the GMO. So she usually tries to avoid anything that has to do with that. But now I remember talking to a friend of mine and I think my mom has done a lot of research and she read some things and she actually said, it's best when you um, do fresh fruits and vegetables to eat in season. What, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I know we, she's, she made the comment that, um, apples are not grown all year long or certain vegetables you're there there's a season for them and so maybe if you want to talk about I don't know if you've heard that but maybe kind of feed off of why would it be important for us to pay attention to the season oh absolutely that's such a beautiful concept that I'm sure God designed us to eat that way you know with modern agriculture we've been blessed to be able to have you know apples in the summer or you know in March when they're not you know usually grown you know in least in some areas not at that time so I think it's an amazing thing to be able to eat with the seasons because especially if you can buy it locally I love going to the farmers markets and you know it can vary even week to week what's available 
struggle. But when you get that food that is so fresh, it's going to have more nutrients in there. It's going to taste better because it hasn't been shipped, you know, when it was just starting to become ripe and then traveling thousands of miles to get to you. It's going to lose nutrients over that transit, you know? And so eating with the seasons is going to be fresher, more flavorful, more nutritious, and it can be nice too to support the farmers that are working so hard day in and day out in the fields. And in fact, you know, I've gotten to cultivate a relationship with one of our local farmers and I've been doing videos for them. Now people see, oh wow, well, what do you do with this heirloom tomato that's only in season for a short amount of time or you know what have you, but I think that's a wonderful way that we can live and benefit from. Yes, and so this kind of leads in for you, when you, um, I'm assuming that you probably think about, you don't usually think about your meal the day of, you probably put a little bit of thought process into it um, here and there, depending on your schedule, because I know we get all busy, but it, when you form a meal in your mind, what are kind of the must-haves and portions and what's kind of your focus for a meal? Absolutely. So I have kind of grown over my healthy eating journey into doing mostly vegetable based. Okay. When I was younger, I was a carbaholic, but thankfully now I do more of the vegetable carbs. And so like, I love having spaghetti with squash on hand. For me, that's like an edible canvas. I can jazz it up and go Mexican with it. If I do like cilantro and lime, I can go Italian with it. If I do like olive oil and basil and olives or sun-dried tomatoes. So I love having spaghetti squash on hand. I love having wild fish on hand, mostly like wild salmon. I love having greens, you know, whether it's kale or mixed greens or arugula, you know, that's great for the liver. So I love having those on hand. For breakfast, I typically do a smoothie. So like a protein smoothie, some good protein powder in there. I like to throw in some blueberries or some frozen greens. Uh, I'm trying to think some cinnamon. I love cacao powder. <laughs> I uh, love doing that. A salad is usually what I do for lunch with a protein of some sort on there. Um, trying to think roasted vegetables, that is definitely a must. So whether you like zucchini or carrots or broccoli or Brussels sprouts, I usually like to have a variety of veggies that I can roast and I usually make like a big pan of it to then be able to use for lunch the next day. So I like making use of leftovers. That's a huge meal prep tip for me for sure. Now here's here's a question because I know there's going to be a lot of especially the moms. What did your family like your husband? How did they adjust to? Because you know a lot of guys are mostly meat and potatoes. That's the give me a steak, give me you know ham and eggs for breakfast. So your kids and everything, how did they adjust to that um, routine? Because most kids are used to a cereal or some kids enjoy that Saturday breakfast where we have all you know, the French toast and pancakes and all the, you know, the maple syrup. So how do you balance that with your family? Great question. And you know, that's one reason why I said that I've grown over the years. So again, this is what my body feels well with. And we didn't start there. Oh, no, no, no. For us, we started with what was in our pantry. And so say we had ketchup that we would make our own fries with, you know, that was a big jump for us. We swapped out the ketchup that used to have like high fructose corn syrup. And at least we got it with organic tomatoes and a little bit of organic sugar, you know, less than the conventional kinds of ketchup. And then we made our own French fries. And then we changed the quality of the meat to have the grass-fed ground beef that's organic. You know, so you may need to start there. You know, when this mayonnaise runs out, replace it with the avocado oil mayonnaise to make your tuna salad or your chicken salad with. 
So start where you can. You know, you may not be able to stop and do it cold turkey like some people do. So some people, it's more like that, that basic and gradual swapping out, maybe adding in more vegetables. Maybe you add in a salad if you haven't been having salads. You know, maybe instead of cereal, maybe you do organic oatmeal. You know, that's at least more wholesome for the children. Or if they must have toast or pancakes, maybe try toasted Ezekiel bread with grass-fed butter and some almond butter on there, you know, instead of like a maple syrup that's not real. You know what I mean? So start wherever you can, going for as whole and as clean of the ingredients as possible. And that's going to really help. Yeah, I love that. Now, this is just me out of curiosity because I have done the uh, spaghetti that was made out of the zucchini and the squash. Okay. And I, sure. I think my struggle, and maybe some other people are like me, it tends to be so watery and I lose so much flavor. How do you overcome that? That's a great question. So for using a cooked vegetable pasta, whether it be a zucchini, like zoodle, or spaghetti squash, I tend to do spaghetti squash more for that. With the zucchini noodles, I actually eat them more raw than I do cooked. And I like to make like a raw pasta salad out of them. As far as cooking them, that's a great question. I would just try to cook it for the minimal time possible, maybe in a little bit of coconut oil or a little bit of olive oil, just, you know, brief cooking. So that way it's not mush and really watery. Now for the spaghetti squash, what I like to do is I like to cook it whole. I like to bake it in the oven at 400 degrees. And I wish people could see me here, but basically I take the whole spaghetti squash, I wash it, I dry it, and then I poke it once or twice really well to make sure that that hole goes to the center. And then I put the whole squash into the oven at 400 degrees for about an hour or so, depending on the, the size of the squash. And then take it out when it's starting to get kind of golden brown and soft to the touch. And then you cut it in half, take out the seeds. And I find that that way is more flavorful, less watery, it steams within itself. And it just locks in that flavor. And I think it's amazing. Okay, that sounds, now do you, do you have things on your website that people can go and look? Cause I know we'll link that in the show notes. Absolutely, I'd be glad to share. So we have my Cook to Flourish blog. So you can just go to cooktoflourish.com and there's over a hundred different blog posts, mostly recipe based that they can glean from those. I've also started a YouTube channel, same name, Cook to Flourish. And I think we have around 35 or 40 recipe videos, including one on spaghetti squash, different recipe ideas for using it. And then we also have a Cook to Flourish cookbook too. So any of those would be great ways to help. Wonderful, wonderful. We'll be including that. Now, this is just a random question for me because I know it's been talked about, especially like with keto and stuff like that. Do you prefer the monk fruit or the stevia? Great question. So I came to stevia first. And so that's kind of been my go-to. However, if you like monk fruit, if it's a clean source, if it doesn't have like a bulking agent, then that's fine. Or you can even do half and half. So some recipes I like to do, like say if it calls for a cup of sugar, I might do a half a teaspoon of the powdered stevia and a half a cup of a good clean monk fruit. Okay, so that way you're getting both, but you can do either. I, I like using both. Yeah, now I have heard um, lately some talk about the, the white stevia isn't as good versus the greenish 
stevia because that's whole leaf versus one that's been still stripped. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. You know, if you can do the green, if you can find it, if you can, you know, incorporate that into your recipes, that would be good. The next thing below that would be like an organic stevia extract. So at least I try to at least get the organic stevia extract if at all possible. And that's, are you referring to the liquid version of it? Either way, either way. We usually use the powdered more. It just depends on what you're going to use it for. If you're going to do more baking with it, you can get away with either. If you're using it to like sweeten your tea or a coffee, then I would lean more towards the liquid, the organic liquid. Okay, because it, it is a debate. And I do, I do recommend for my own cooking, I know don't overdo stevia because a little goes a long way with that. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. So I do, I do remember that. Um, so just kind of, you know, wrapping it up, I guess a little bit, um, what are maybe some of your go-to recipes? Like if, what would you recommend for people that are more on the go that, that, you know, do maybe a single person that wants to switch to a healthier diet, but cause it can be time consuming. You hear about it and you're thinking, I don't have that much time. What would you recommend for someone who's a little more fast paced in their lifestyle? Great question. Absolutely. And so some of our family's go-tos would be a really good baked chicken and then some roasted vegetables or a sweet potato and a salad. And so say you have a whole chicken, you can either bake the chicken like completely whole or you can buy like pieces of chicken, season it up really good, put it in the oven, and then you can eat off of that chicken for a couple of meals. So if you are a full family, you may only get one meal out of it, maybe a meal and a leftover sandwich or something. But if you are a single person, that could be a great thing that you can make because you can eat the baked chicken for dinner or you can meal prep it and then put some on a salad, make like a, uh, a mayonnaise chicken salad with it. You can put it into fajitas. So that's one of our go-tos for sure. Roasted veggies are pretty simple to throw together, put them in the oven, or you can even like on the weekends, say you pre-bake some sweet potatoes, have those ready to go, or pre-bake a spaghetti squash, because those can take, you know, an hour or more to bake. So if you can have those done ahead of time, that definitely is a time saver. And then buying pre-washed lettuce greens, that makes for a super simple salad. That's really easy. Even having stir-fry veggies in the freezer. And we can just throw them in a pan with a little bit of coconut oil or some chicken broth and then toss that with some coconut aminos or something. And you have a stir fry that's ready to go like that. Okay. Now, just a couple of questions kind of out of that, as I was thinking, yeah. um, what oils do you recommend? Because I know that some people think, well, I can do a vegetable oil or canola, safflower, sunflower, grapeseed. Some of them do have a specific purpose, but what would you recommend as far as like cooking and baking? What are your go-to oils and why? Absolutely. So I really look at the oil's heat tolerance. So some oils, they don't like a lot of heat, say olive oil, for example. So I personally, from the research I have done, I don't cook with olive oil. I prefer to use that to put on top of steamed vegetables that have already been cooked or in a salad dressing. That's what I like to use my olive oil for. It's an awesome oil. It just doesn't like the heat. But then avocado oil, that's one that I will roast vegetables with. And I try not to use a lot of oil anyway, but that's one that I will cook with. Uh, coconut oil can usually go to about 325, 350, and you can use that to roast or saute with. But if I'm sauteing, I actually try to use a little bit of water or chicken broth to get that food cooked most of the way. 
and then I add the oil. So that way that oil, no matter its heat tolerance or smoke point, it's just not as exposed to as much heat by doing it that way. Okay, I love that. And then kind of this question, what about snacks? Because you've got people, they like snacks, they're a snacker, they're a grazer, or even people who are on that fast pace, like even uh, doctors and nurses, sometimes they don't have time for that full meal. What would be a good snack that could kind of keep them going? For sure. Great question. So depending on how much time you have to chew, you know, maybe you just have time for a little miniature handful of almonds or walnuts. You know, walnuts are great for the brain. You can maybe do even some pumpkin seeds, so like a nut or a seed. That can be a good source of some protein and some healthy fats to sustain you. If you have a little bit more time to chew, maybe you could do an organic apple and some nuts or seeds or some almond butter or unsweetened sunflower butter with some cinnamon on top. Oh, that's really good. Uh, you could even do like a clean protein powder and some water real quick, shake that up and drink it. Something that has protein, fat or fiber really helps to stabilize the blood sugar levels. You could even do some carrot sticks and some nut or seed butter, that would be good. Or if you wanted to do like a more protein bar, as long as you read your label and make sure that there isn't a lot of added sugar. Personally, I like the Garden of Life Fit Bars. Those are ones that I have found to be cleaner ingredients. So you might take a look at that. I'm trying to think of what other things. I try not to do like chips for a snack. I just don't find that to be very nutritious. But you could do like some hummus and maybe some flaxseed crackers or like a carrot stick or celery. Or you could even do some guacamole, you know, even on like a good, like the Simple Mills almond flour crackers with some guacamole or hummus, that would be good too. Yeah, and what about, because I know people are probably gonna be curious, what about desserts? Most of us yeah. like a little sweet after, because I know for me, I do like a sweet after I've had a lot of protein or, you know, because it just balances the palate out a little bit. You're right, you're right. And so, you know, cravings can come from different things. And so we, of course, we wanna make sure that we're not overindulging in sweet foods because we do want to optimize our digestion. So we don't want a lot of sweet after a heavy meal because that can really slow down the stomach. So we wanna keep that in mind, but on the same time, we want to still have something available that is healthier, that is sweet. So one of my favorite things to make is a butternut squash, like cinnamon roll. And so you take a butternut squash and you want to find one that is most uniform shaped as possible. So it doesn't have like a big curve to it. And you're going to slice that butternut squash into circles that are about an eighth to a quarter of an inch thick. And then you're going to make a little paste of cinnamon and coconut oil, maybe a little bit of stevia or honey, and then smooth that out over the little butternut squash circle. Put it in a cookie sheet or in a baking dish and put it in the oven at 350 for about 20 to 25 minutes. Maybe put some pecans or walnuts on top. And then you have like this amazing like cinnamon roll with a vegetable. And so that's a fun one. Or we even have like a chocolate cake recipe that's gluten free and it doesn't have any dairy in it. And that is going to be on my blog. So you can find that because a girl's got to have some chocolate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a must so, for everyone. Like to do, or even like an avocado chocolate pudding. That can be really tasty as well. Okay, so those are six. I know people really do enjoy their sweets. They really do like them, and I, I get that. You know, uh, I'm that way a little bit. I like um, some sweets, um, so that's for sure. So, kind of, kind of wrapping it up. What, um, what one piece of advice would you give to someone who wants to start 
eating healthy? How would you like, because sometimes it can be overwhelming. Where do I begin? What would you say to them? Oh, beautiful question. And, you know, we need to have the right mindset and we need to know why we're doing it. And so we want to nourish our bodies because our bodies are a gift from God, right? So that should be one of our big driving whys in eating healthy and then knowing that it's not going to be in our strength. You know, we want to commit this journey to the Lord and he will establish our plans. Like it talks about in Proverbs 16, 3. So inviting God into this journey because every day is not going to be a breeze. So we're going to need his strength to carry this through because we want it to be a lifestyle because diets can die off, but the lifestyle is going to last, you know? And so I would start with eating what God has created and enjoying that. So adding in more whole foods, Trying to wean back on the sugar and the processed grains, that's going to be a huge help. Having breakfast that has some protein in there to stabilize those blood sugars so you're not always reaching for something with sugar in there. And so just wherever you can make those simple swaps, it doesn't have to be everything changed out overnight. You know, go at a maintainable pace. And, you know, God wants you to prosper in soul and in health. So just be encouraged, start where you can, and I'm excited to see, you know, where it takes everyone. Yes, I am too. Now, I'm just curious, this is kind of a side note, but there are a lot of good supplements out there that can kind of really help your diet and enhance it. Are there some go-tos for you that you really recommend that people should be encouraged to put into their diet? Sure. And once again, you know, everybody is different and nothing can replace a healthy plan of eating. Okay. So supplements, though, they can help to fill in the gaps for the days that, you know, we don't eat as well or, you know, our food not always is as nutritious as it was, you know, decades ago. So I personally, I love a line of supplements that's available on my website called Nature Sunshine. So that's my favorite source to pull from. I love quality. Quality is so important. So whether it's a probiotic that you're wanting to take or a multivitamin or a protein powder, I always go back to quality. And so those are a few things that I like to use personally. But once again, you know, everybody is different. And so if there is something that you're taking, I mean, I would just really look at the quality. Has it been tested? You know, where are the ingredients coming from? Is it, you know, organic or at least tested to make sure it doesn't have contamination? I love using herbs. You know, herbs, that's food that God has given us. And so there's some amazing combinations of herbs that you can use, like for energy. Like those are some that I like to use. Um, so, you know, we really depend on person to person. I can't really give like a blanket, but that there are so many options available and I'd be honored to help people if they wanted to reach out to me or check out my website. I'd be honored to help. Yes. And so on that note, if someone did have more questions, what's the best way to reach you? Absolutely. So you can contact me either through my website. There's a little contact me box at the end of some of the pages, or you can reach out to me by email, which is cook to flourish at gmail.com. Okay. And that is two as in the number two, not spelled out. Correct. Correct. Sorry, because I remembered that when I reached out. So um, what other things I know you do more than um, just videos. I, I saw something about jewelry on, on your website. 
Yes, <laughs> great question. And the neat thing is I was into jewelry before I was into health. Like that's what I thought my full career was gonna be in because that's what my parents did. They have a jewelry store. And so, you know, of course the girl gotta love some jewelry. And so I've just been so blessed to be able to grow up in the jewelry store, making things with beads. And so I do have an Etsy shop and it's also cooked to flourish. And I love using sterling silver, yellow gold filled metals, and then different gemstones like labradorite or amethyst. And I love pearls. Pearls are my favorite to design jewelry pieces from. Plus it's handmade and it's just such a gift to be able to use that outlet of creativity. Yes, well, now make sure your listeners, if you go on there, because Robin has a lot of wonderful resources. I know she has her cookbook, her jewelry, and she's got um, uh, information on recipes and even just health. And I know you probably blog on a regular basis and share information that way. So, you know, she has a lot of good resources and she's a wonderful person. So you can definitely just reach mm -hmm. out to her and um, enjoy a conversation. I'm sure she will not say no, although I won't mind if you say that you heard about her through me. <laughs> So we always like those little connections to kind of know that maybe someone is listening. Um, but I appreciate you coming on here, Robin, because health is a big thing, you know, and if you don't have your health, you really don't have much um, because you can tell when you don't, when your health is gone, you just, you have no more energy. You can't be involved in the things that you enjoy. You miss out on family activities. There are so many things that are affected by your health and we're only given one body. We're not like the video games where you can recharge or reboot. You've got one body and the Lord has made it to rebound. That the, our body truly is wonderfully made because you know, people like your mom, she was able to rebound, you know, given the right nutrition and the right ingredients, she came back from a very um, precarious situation. So I think that, you know, your body is worth investing in for sure. You know, it is definitely worth the investment and the time needed to do that. So I really, really appreciate you coming on here and just sharing your heart. And I encourage you um, listeners, please reach out to her and care about your health. And I, I really, Robin, I just can't say enough. I could talk all day to you because you're such a wonderful person. And it's such a great topic, but thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Sarah. It truly is an honor and I appreciate every listener. God bless you. And hopefully I'll get to hear from you sometime. What did you think? Did you learn things that were new to you? I know I did. I so enjoyed my conversation with Robin. Not only is she well-versed in her field, but she is also so passionate about what she does and that passion permeates everything. I can say without a doubt that Robin only wants to help people live their best life. Even the name of her ministry, Cook to Flourish, showcases her desire to help you and your family flourish. I also love what Robin said at the end about inviting the Lord into this journey because not every day will be easy. And just like all of the areas in our life, we need his strength to continue. If you have ever wanted to make the switch to a better diet or have further questions, I encourage you to reach out to her. You can find Robin on Instagram, Cook to Flourish, and remember that it is the number two spelled out. You can also visit her website, www.cooktoflourish.com, and that address will be in the show notes. And if you send her a note, just mention that you heard her on this podcast. And speaking of this podcast... Would you be willing to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on? I promise it only takes a minute and it helps so much with the search results. Also, if you did enjoy today's episode, would you share it with a friend and maybe hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode? 
If you have any questions for me or know someone with a special story that would make a great guest on the show, please feel free to message me at learningtositstill at gmail.com or follow me on social media, Sit Still My Daughter. I hope you all have a wonderful day. And until we're back together, just remember, sit still, trust your Heavenly Father because He loves you more than anyone else and He holds you in the palm of His hand. Thank you.